It's the question of the year, and really it's the question of the last decade. Is it time to add value to an investment portfolio? Here's what matters. Live from our respective coronavirus social distancing outposts, I'm Lauren Goodwin. And I'm Robert Saren Betts. And this is Market Matters from New York Life Investments. In this podcast, we, the strategists at New York Life Investments, will share insights from the multi-asset solutions team. What we think matters as we manage investment solutions. That includes Mainstay's Income Builder Fund, as well as individual solutions for our partners. By sharing perspectives and engaging with you, our listeners, we can all become better investors. Welcome, everybody. It's the week of October 26th, 2020. And with just one week to go till the election, we're going to take a breather from all the politics and look at another popular investment topic from this year and and really over the past couple of weeks, which is value investing. Oh, that's a good one. I don't think we can ever fully depart from the election, but we can try. (laughs) And everything is relative. Well, I'm sure there's some LG foreshadowing bucket approach there in the relative question, but it's not coming to me now. As you mentioned, we've got a lot to cover, so we'll get into it. The factors today that we're covering are going to be what determines whether now is a good time to add value to a portfolio, and that depends on economic growth. Will growth pick up? even have to pick new buckets to answer this question or a new framework, but you're absolutely right. Durable outperformance of value would require economic growth to pick up. And for us, the ideas that we've shared, even as far back as our mid-year outlook in July, hold true. Economic growth depends on the path of the virus and the policy response to it. Just two buckets. All right. Well, let's take the virus first then. Well, with, with COVID circulating in our communities still, We as an investment team are concerned about the pace of growth, which has been pretty impressive up to this point, but could slow from here. And COVID cases have been accelerated globally, including in the U.S., and it looks like the third wave of cases in the U.S. are soon going to overtake the second. In fact, they might be doing that really right now with the data that came in over the weekend. And so it's interesting this time that the third wave is most severe in the Western and mountain states, maybe because they've been getting colder sooner and folks are moving inside. We're not really sure. Um, but in some areas, we're seeing hospitals nearing or even over capacity. So it's something we're really concerned about. Well, that's not great. Are there any positive developments we can look at? Uh, yeah, uh, there, there are some regions of the U.S. and some countries in Europe that have stayed pretty resilient. Um, Another positive thing is that India, which was badly hit, uh, remains in a downward trend, at least for now. And similarly, Israel's lockdown has achieved its goals and now conditions are easing. And so what it means from from my perspective is that we might see more restrictions over the cold and flu season this, this winter, but it's more likely to be smart lockdowns or targeted lockdowns rather than full lockdowns that we saw in March or April, at least I hope. And, and that doesn't even include any positive news around um, an actual medical solution like a virus or a medical treatment. Well, I'll def- definitely just pick it up from there then. When it comes to vaccines and drug therapies, you have vaccine trials that are ongoing. There are nine vaccines currently in phase three trials. So preliminary phase three results are probably the next catalyst for the market and for the path of the virus. Unlike phase one and phase two, phase three trials are definitive. They establish whether a vaccine will be safe 
and effective enough to be approved for widespread widespread use. So the, the results are really important. And there's no set date for these results to be released, but they could be here as early as the end of this month. Okay, so if, if you take a step back from that, because that could be really positive news, let's go back to you know the, the buckets. Why are we monitoring the virus so closely with respect to economic growth? Mm, that's a, a really good idea. Uh, the path of the virus has been a big driver of markets. And while the markets have done well overall, the virus has caused a significant bifurcation. Yeah, and, and what you mean by bifurcation, I assume, is that different parts of the economy and markets have been really disrupted by COVID. Think the parts of the economy that are service-oriented or face-to-face, as well as you know travel, tourism, and others have, have, have fared a little bit better. So that bifurcation is the, the split between winners and losers. Exactly, exactly. And I think it's, it's useful probably to remind our listeners that about one-third of companies in the S&P 500 index remain in a bear market, meaning they're down more than 20% still. That's left then value as an investment style in a pretty tight spot because this is a fundamental strategy, one where investors try to identify good companies that are trading at a discounted price, but haven't seen um, you know repricing like in other segments of the market. And What's challenging here is that just because a company is discounted doesn't necessarily mean that it's a good deal. Sometimes companies can be can be cheap for a reason. And with so much uncertainty in the economy, it's tough to assess which you know, companies might fall into this bucket. And some investors sense that many of the businesses that are you know, trading at a discounted rate right now might not see their cash flow recover until until we can go back to some sense of normal. Yeah, and so that's really the purpose of monitoring the path of the virus. And that's to determine the likelihood that these companies will make it to the other side of the pandemic and eventually see their sales and profits recover to see behavior return to normal. And investors love buying stocks at a bargain. They're just might be waiting for that all clear. Yeah, well, so the other way that investors could get an all clear or close to it, I I don't think it'd be all clear, but the way we could see the economy improve and, and some of these value strategies improve is to get consistent, reliable, sizable, durable, all of those things policy support. And that was that second bucket that we mentioned. And of course, with the election a week away, we're just gonna have to wait and see on that one. And that's a perfect segue into our portfolio pause, a section of the program where we share an investment idea. And today, I think we're going to talk about what would drive investors towards the less appreciated areas of the market like value. I'm totally going to steal a page from your book here. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I have a framework that should be top of mind. Are you ready for it? All right. Let's hear it. Okay. Okay. There are three key events that an investor should monitor for a shift in style. The first is the election. The second is any winter outbreak of the virus. And the third is a vaccine. Investors should watch these events really closely and compare what's happening with what's already priced into expectations. You know, you know what I love about this framework, besides that you're now making frameworks, is that it fits so nicely into the virus and policy buckets that we've already described. Don't try to co-op my framework. <laughs> okay, well, let's start with number one, then, the election. Look, I said we weren't going to be able to get around it. That's true. Okay, so historically, value has statistically outperformed 
following elections. Once uncertainty around the election clears and assuming a, a clean outcome one way or another over the course of the next couple of weeks, investors would have a clearer sense of what they can expect from policy. And that might mean a clear path toward troubled companies having, you know, a plan to fight the virus or pro-growth policies or fiscal relief, which would be positive for the companies that have underperformed so far. So the election might be a, a trigger point towards an outperformance in value, at least for a couple of months. Totally agree. Assuming a clean outcome is probably a big assumption right now, but... Even if we do get that clean outcome, and, and once we're on the other side of that, investors will also have to clear a second wave. So far, investors seem increasingly desensitized to rising cases. We're not exactly sure why. Perhaps it's because markets have already largely priced in the risk of more prevalent virus cases. So if this third wave does prove short-lived, Without major lockdowns, it could give investors the confidence they need for value to outperform. Yeah, I think perhaps the most straightforward way towards that confidence then would be the third thing which you mentioned, which is a safe and effective vaccine that could give value the boost it needs. Right. And investors' focus is rightfully on the election right now and the third waves that we're seeing uh, second waves in Europe, third waves here. We may get some efficacy results later this month, as I already said, but safety will take some more time. That, that likely won't be for a while. So it's a little too early to put on that vaccine trade, uh, but it's right around the corner for investors. Right, and that, that gets to one of our persistent investment trends around building flexibility, especially in an environment that's so uncertain. You know, flexibility is is one means of resiliency in your portfolio. And I think it's it goes without saying that these events, like the election or a vaccine or sort of getting through the next wave of the virus, are important drivers for the equity markets and likely to be big catalyst events between November and January, or at least they could. They're top of the list. And so for now, um, uncertainty drives the day, which means that growth stocks could continue to do well. But any of those events or you know the big policy changes or virus improvements could come without a whole lot of warning. And so to us, adding value exposure makes sense as a hedge because we can't see those things coming. Exactly. And, and so what we're really saying is that a well-diversified portfolio that includes both the balance of stocks and bonds and also both value and growth makes a lot of sense at this time. Coming up next... This week is ECB week, as you know, one of my favorite weeks after Fed week. And so I'll be watching that decision. It, it, it looks likely that the ECB is going to be at least signaling more support for the markets. Um, the, the virus is taking hold there, which is pretty challenging. And, and there's also been um, some disruption from how quickly the dollar has depreciated and, and therefore the euro appreciated as a result. And that's tough for economies that are focused on exporting. Haven't seen it in the data yet. Uh, a lot of manufacturing companies in Europe are doing really, really well, but the consumer environment and the services environment has really struggled. So we, you know, ongoing theme, central banks very involved in the economy, both here and abroad. Yes. Currency also affects multinational corporations' ability to make profits. Uh, this week is a big week for corporate earnings. Companies are reporting, as we've talked about before, companies are reporting their third quarter earnings. And this week, we actually hear from the top five largest stocks in the S&P 500. They make up about a quarter of the market cap of the companies. 
And these companies also happen to be a big beneficiary of a lot of the themes we've talked about around the acceleration of the pandemic. So investors have really, really high expectations for these companies' future success. We will be watching these reports closely. They could impact the market both now, but it also depends how management, the the people who speak about their performance, guide investors for the future. So we'll be listening in closely on those calls. Yeah, what a time to be talking about value, right? It's that, again, that diversification and and keeping an eye out for the things we can't predict is, is really important. But that's it for today. We'll be back next week for more Market Matters and the 2020 election. Oh my goodness. Let us know what matters to you. This is a busy week. It really is. So if you have questions or topic of interest, reach out to us on social media. We'll have not only our normal episode on Monday, but um, we we might need to respond to the election as well. We'll see. Yes. And so as usual, you can find any of those insights that we produce on social media by following us on LinkedIn. And you can also find our views on nylinvestments.com forward slash blog. But until then, I'm Robert Sarenbet. And I'm Lauren Goodwin. See you next week. Our podcast is produced by Milo Benamont, and our music was composed by the fabulous Zach Young. I'll now read our disclosures from compliance. For more information about mainstay funds, call 1-800-624-6782 for a prospectus or summary prospectus. Investors are asked to consider the investment objectives, risks, and charges and expenses of the investment carefully before investing. The prospectus or summary prospectus contains this and other information about the investment company. Please read the prospectus or summary prospectus carefully before investing. There's no assurance that the investment objectives will be met. Past performance is no guarantee of future results, which will vary. All investments are subject to market risk and will fluctuate in value. This material represents an assessment of the market environment as of a specific date. It is subject to change and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information should not be relied upon by the reader as research or investment advice regarding the funds or any issuer or security in particular. The strategies discussed are strictly for illustrative and educational purposes and are not a recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any securities or to adopt any investment strategy. There is no guarantee that any strategies discussed will be effective. This material contains general information only and does not take into account an individual's financial circumstances. This information should not be relied upon as a primary basis for an investment decision. Rather, an assessment should be made as to whether the information is appropriate in individual circumstances and consideration should be given to talking to a financial advisor before making an investment decision. New York Life Investments is a service mark and name under which New York Life Investment Management LLC does business. New York Life Investments is an indirect subsidiary of New York Life Insurance Company, New York, New York 10010, and provides investment advisory services and products. New York Life Distributors LLC is located at 30 Hudson Street, Jersey City, New Jersey, 07302. New York Life Distributors LLC is a member of FINRA SIPC.